Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Obsessed with ABGs. I'm Kimberly. And I'm Raina. And today's going to be a difficult episode where we're not going to do our, our usual conversations about our careers and about um, our goals and aspirations. But we are going to touch base on our Asian identity and what has transpired in the, I would like to say in the last couple of days, but I feel like this has been transpiring for the last few months, if not years. So just a trigger warning for anyone who is listening and is unsure what's happening. We are, Rain and I are going to be talking about some difficult things that have happened uh, in recent events. Uh, one being a mass shooting that happened in Atlanta, Georgia, discussions about racism, hate crimes. So if, if these things might be a trigger for you, just please note uh, and flag that for your listening purposes. On Tuesday, March 16th, 2021, there was a mass shooting that took place in Atlanta, Georgia. A white 21-year-old man opened fire in three different spa locations, killing eight people in total, six being Asian women. This individual, eventually he was arrested about 150 miles south of Atlanta. And police said that he was heading to Florida and was intending to carry out more shootings at spas there. So we are about a week later since this event has transpired. And it's been exactly like what Kim said. It's been a really difficult um, and heavy week for all of us. And to know, I'm not American. I'm, I'm Asian, identify as Asian Canadian. And it still really affected me. And the more I thought about it, the more it just made me so angry yeah, uh, it's still kind of hard to identify how I feel about it all. Everyone has different reactions and different feelings towards it. But uh, I thought it was something we can all at least discuss because it does impact us uh, as Asian women. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and, and just to note, you know, originally we were going to talk about friendships uh, <laughs> this last week and we decided not to put out an episode because there was just a lot going on and it just didn't, you know, aside from it just not feeling right, I just felt like we had so much more on our plate and so much more to think about. So much more to unpack. And this is really important right now, you know, when there is like clearly this hate crime against Asian Americans. Raina, how, where were you when you heard the news and how are you feeling now? Yeah, so... I read about it Wednesday morning, Germany time, I think, because I think this happened on a Tuesday evening in the U.S. So I think I read about it when I woke up on Wednesday. And it just was like such a sinking feeling that, you know, with any hate crime, with any terrorist attack that happens, it's heavy, it's saddening, it's upsetting, it's angering. But especially this one just really hit a different place for me because it's so clearly racially motivated. 
um, sexual orientation oriented. And it really could have been me, it could have been you, it could have been our mothers, aunts, friends. And yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how I feel about it now. I think I'm a bit more calm about it now as opposed to Wednesday, but I am still really angry mm. and I worry a lot. The amount of worry has not decreased. In fact, it has increased. And just to, to clarify, when you yeah. say worry, is that also worry for your peers and yourself? Like worry where the yeah. state of the world is going? Yeah, like, good, good question. It's a worry for, yeah, the state of, you know, these hate crimes and how it's been escalating for the last year, um, ever since the pandemic started. Um, worry for myself being an Asian woman, um, a minority in Germany, in Europe. I worry for my Asian female stu- well, Asian students because mm. I have so many Asian students That's and right. for most of our international students they don't speak the local language mm-hmm. even if they did it's a lot harder to speak up in a foreign language and I think that's the case for a lot of these like attacks on minorities in all these countries that your mother tongue or the co- the language that you're most comfortable in is probably not the language of the authority there And so it just makes it a lot harder to speak up. Or if there is like racial slurs, you know, yelled against me, would I automatically react if it were not in English or in Japanese? I don't know. And so I think there is this extra worry because not only will you not know what to do in that moment because you're in that situation, but also like there's this language barrier. Right. It is hard because as a person who I have a hard time speaking for myself, just like, you know, avoiding conf- conflict. Yeah. And so now imagine something blatantly happened to me like that. Oh, God, I, I, yeah. right. And, 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 you know, you want to speak up for others too. But like when you're in a, if you were in a place of danger, would you speak up? Like, it, that's another like thing. Like, that's another yeah. hard, because like this is now not a matter, matter of like her, um, verbal harassment. Now this was a, like, this was a murder. Yeah. Uh, this was a mass shooting. And in this incident, you're like when lives are on, in, at stake, it's like, well, then I have to look back at all the microaggressions that happened and it really should have stopped from there. Like mm-hmm. it escalated to this because this language and this rhetoric has been going for months and has been heightened since the pandemic. And, you know, people in power who just quite, quite frankly don't care mm-hmm. about the hate that has been shown towards Asian people. Mm-hmm. And exactly. um yeah, I I struggled when I heard this. It was like, wow, my first thought was like another mass shooting. How desensitized are we now for mass shootings? And then the news came about the details and more of the victims uh, and what this looked like. And I don't want to say the name of, of the shooter um, because I don't want to give that person any more power mm-hmm. and recognition. But of course, I was like, yes, of course, it's an angry white man who who had these thoughts about the world. But really what angered me the most in all this too, aside, obviously from the aside note of how, of what happened, but what happened afterwards, the dialogue that came out from the officer who spoke about the shooting and the media around it and the language we used around it 
and and correct me if I'm wrong, the officer who whose name is Captain Jay Barker, I have no problem mentioning his name, uh, had said that this was probably something happened because of a bad day that the shooter was having and that he that the man had like suffered or was going through like sexual addiction and needed a place to lash out to stop this quote unquote temptation. And the more I write about that, the more I was like, wait, are we really, are we really going to just say, Hey, he was having a bad day and decided to open fire. And that's not a hate crime. Like I, I think that's my other issue too was this question, this vague idea, is this a hate crime? Is this not? There were just so many layers. <laughs> like, yeah. really? It was like so many moments of like, really? Really? Like there was misogyny. There was like hate against women. There was hate against Asian people. There was just the language we use for victim shaming as well. Yeah. You're like, what were they doing in an establishment like this? Right? Like, Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I just said a lot there. <laughs> I just, I don't know if that made sense but, to anyone. Yeah, but uh, no, I think it's just like mixed emotions. And, you know, like we said earlier, hate crimes against Asians have been on the rise since March 2020. And I think it was a couple of months ago, I think it was maybe two months ago, where um, there was the first reported incident of a group of Asian people um, being attacked in France. mm and I say reported because I'm sure there are other incidents like this that have just not been reported. Um, but when that happened, I was going um, to the office that day. And, you know, of course, I was going to take public transit. And I remember Joe and I, you know, like in bed that morning reading this and we were like, huh, like this is now getting closer to us. Yeah. And he was like, are you sure you want to go today? And I was like, yeah, if I stay home, then, you know, I feel like I'm just like letting them win in a way. But of course, I was really tense that day, like sitting on the train. I was like mm -hmm. kind of like looking around to like make sure that no one was going to sit around me. And there was like this woman who was like yelling on a train platform. I think she had mental health issues and and I think she was just yelling in general. It wasn't towards me. It wasn't like racially motivated yelling, but norm in normal circumstances, I would have been like, oh, it's another, you know, person like that on a train platform. But that day I was like, I think I'm gonna walk away. Mm. It's like fear. So, like this, yeah. like I don't know what to do. So it's like I, I'm just I have to be away from the situation. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, that was just a couple of months ago. And then this I think just really heightened that fear. This rise has happened also in in Canada, um, and I and I for those and this is what makes me so mad when we when people have these conversations, often a lot of people come out of the woodwork being like, "What were the stats? Like, how are you knowing there's a rise in this?" And they all want to pull like these these rationales, evidence, as, the evidence. And I'm like, okay, fine. You want me to clap back? I will because it seems that like empathy <laughs> and like trying to understand pain needs to be quantified by numbers yeah exactly like people being like well prove to me that there has been a rise yeah and sometimes you're just trying to have like a one-to-one -one conversation so like sometimes it's just like this is my fear that i'm happening and the fact that yeah. you need to know a percentage 
to understand my pain is a little worrisome for the like where the world is going. Yeah, that's basically a form of gaslighting. Yes. Yeah. That is that you know what? That has been a lot of the the conversations of of what gaslighting now looks like in this yeah. context, right? And we don't often think about it in that way. But for those who who need the stats and whatnot, and this is Canada alone, you know, Vancouver Police Department had said it since 2019 to 2020, there was 717% increase in anti-Asian hate crimes. This is just Vancouver alone. Uh, and then to date, British Columbia also surpasses any sub-national region in North America for having the most reported anti-Asian hate crime incidents per Asian capita in North America. And then and then Toronto, we come in second in, in, in Canada for the st- statistics and reported crimes of anti-Asian hate. And again, reported crimes. Exactly. But you don't see it. You don't, sorry, you don't see it in like the media. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't yeah. see it being talked about unless we're like almost searching for that information out amongst our Asian peers. Yeah, exactly. How do you feel when you're walking outside in Toronto, Kim? Quite, I'll be honest with you. I am very much locked down. Like I'm, yeah. I, I'm still in lockdown. So I actually don't leave my condo quite often. And maybe this is a privilege of mine. I don't know if I, could, I this is right to say it or not. But like often when I'm walking, I'm with my husband, who is a white man. Yeah. I'm not walking usually by myself. Part of me wonders, like, you know, how people see Asian women, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do they almost, I don't want to say, like, do they see me as, like, property? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, this, like, timid Asian wife yeah. who, yeah. like, belongs to their husband. Yeah. I wonder how they see that now. Like, oh, maybe she's, would would they do anything if I was walking with a white male? Yeah. I don't know. I, I generally don't know. Like, I, I don't because I, I personally haven't felt it, but I know I have friends who have. Yeah. Um. Actually, I was talking to one of my girlfriends this uh, a couple of days ago, and she said it was OK for me to share the story. But her daughter was having was feeling like a, having a cold. Like she just this was in February of last year. This mm-hmm. was like when, you know, are we going to stay here indoors or are we going to go on lockdown? Like what's happening now? That was like the pinnacle of like what the make or break of of. COVID-19 lockdown. Uh, and so she took her daughter to a walk-in clinic because she was having signs of like a cold, just a regular cold. And when she went, she went with her husband and the husband said, let's, I have to take her to the washroom, save us a spot. So she saves two couple chairs for them. A family comes in, another family comes in, a mother and, and son. And the son was about to sit down beside my friend, but the mom said, no, don't sit there. She's Asian. She she might have the coronavirus out loud to like the entire waiting room. And as she said that person who was sitting uh, near my friend, a white man, looked up who has been sitting there. Keep in mind for longer than my my friend who's been sitting in the waiting room got up and went across the room to sit somewhere else. Wow. My friend was so upset. She's like, first of all, I'm not even here for myself. I'm here for my daughter. She didn't say any of this. And, she, and she's like, I'm not going to make a scene in a doctor's office. But she's like, I wasn't here for myself. I was here to help my daughter with her cold. And to see like that blatant, like, no, do not sit there. She's Asian. She has a virus. And then another person just walking away and no one's saying anything. Mm-hmm. No one's saying anything. I was like that so heartbreaking. And that was the beginning of mm-hmm. of our quarantine. 
I couldn't imagine now what that looks like. And, mm-hmm. and this is kind of what it escalated. And when people are like, I'm so surprised. Are you? Yeah. Are you that surprised? Yeah. And that's what makes me so mad. It's like, yeah. you, you shouldn't be surprised now. Even with mass shootings, is anyone really surprised nowadays? I don't know. And then, then there's always this idea of like, violence against women, right? We don't want to talk about it. And we always often give the assailants, especially white men, this like, oh, it was mental health. Oh, it was a bad day. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, with that officer um, who said that the shooter was having a bad day, if he were not of a Caucasian descent, would he have said that? And I don't know about you, Raina, but when I'm having a bad day, I, that's not my MO. You know what, everyone? I'm having a bad day. Let me get my gun and go on a shooting spree on like three different locations. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, this idea of, well, it's not a hate crime. It can't be a hate crime. And I, I know you have some stats on what, you know, what, what people are saying is what cons- constitutes as a hate crime. But when people say this, this can't be it, you know, it was just him removing temptation or whatever, have mental health. I'm like, that is a conversation, again, to be had based on colonialism and how we are as women, Asian women perceive this hyper sense of fetishizing mm-hmm. Asian women. I'm like... Y- there's some there's a level of entitlement there whether he felt entitled to owning or like asserting their power their dominance exactly yeah this power dynamic of yeah having claiming an asian woman as your own and you just couldn't i don't know yeah and now you're just like oh you're my temptation and i'm like yeah how how that's like that's another level of of privilege there that you are now you felt like you were owed to, like you were owed yeah. this 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 power, and yeah, exactly. I don't know. We could talk yeah. about power dynamics, and oh my god, for like <laughs> hours. I had too many thoughts, and I just I don't know how to like succinctly put this down because I think that's a lot of us. Yeah, and so you know, I think I've been relying on a lot of different media talking about this a lot more succinctly than I can express my own thoughts and. You know, like Trevor Noah had a really great, um, I don't know if it can be called a monologue, but he had a really great um, video clip. If you want to go and check that out, we'll um, post the link to it. And uh, there's a stand-up comic called Sherry Cola. She shared her poem called Hashtag Stop Asian Hate on Instagram. Um, It's very powerful. Um, very deep. Uh, We encourage you to go and check this out. We'll post a link for it as well. Um, But all in all, you know, I think to, so to kind of go back to what you were saying, Kim, about hate crime. So the definition of a hate crime is a crime, typically one involving violence that is motivated by prejudice on the basis of race, religion, sexual orientation, or other grounds. And I'm not going to get into it you know, into too much detail because there are other like news and more law focused podcasts and articles that will explain this better than I can. But basically, they're having a really hard time in the US classifying this as a hate crime because of the history of their legal um, system. And when I was listening to the New York Times Daily podcast last week, there was a fantastic episode, which we will also link, about um, how typically hate crimes, hate, hate, yeah, hate crimes that are against Black people or 
um, Jewish people, for example, it's a lot easier to classify them as against those um, groups of people because there's usually like a visual symbol, whether it's the N-word or um, a swastika drawn, um, or if it was like a shooting that took place in a religious establishment, then mm -hmm. it's a lot clearer. Um, but hate crimes against Asians, there really isn't like a visual cue almost. Mm -hmm. So at least in the U.S., it's very hard to apparently classify this. And that's why um, the officers and, you know, like the law enforcement haven't really said that this is a hate crime. And so when it comes to hate crimes in Europe, um, and I'm mentioning this because, you know, I live in Europe, um, apparently countries like France, Germany and Belgium, they don't collect demographic data on ethnicity for historical reasons. So it's really hard to take an accurate measure of the scale of the problem. Mm. Um, but um, looking at the UK, um, hate crime stats are recorded in the UK. And so figures from the London Metropolitan Police um, show that there have been more than 200 incidents of hate crime against East Asian people between June and September 2020. That's only, what, three months? And that's a 96% increase compared to the same period the year before. 96 96 percent increase wow. and that's just three months in the summer last year so yeah that and and again like this is just like the reported incidents in a country where they actually do record like demographic data and there's another example in spain um you know there is an underreporting of hate crimes there because of language barriers um there's also fear among uh, people being deported and also with the tendency for the older generation to keep silent about incidents. And isn't that often how we're classified as this Asian minority? Uh, what's it called? The uh, model minority? Yeah, yeah, the model minority myth. Yeah. And to be honest, I never really heard that conversation until a few, that, that term until uh, we spoke about it a few months ago. And, mm. and, and you know, you were... We're talking about this way before this incident happened. I don't want to say incident, but before what happened, this mass yeah. shooting in Atlanta. But uh, and and you and maybe a handful of my friends were the only ones put shining light on this. And then suddenly I saw it in the news. And then and you know what I mean? Like, if there is such a big increase, where is this? Where is all this conversation? Where's why isn't there any resources or discussions to be had? Why is this all now popping up after a mass shooting? Yeah, like the fact that it had to take a mass shooting like this for more conversations like this to happen. Oh, that's what Trevor Noah said, actually, in your point. He actually, yeah. yeah, he did say that. He's like, why does it take when you see all the signs, when there are no surprises there and you know something like this is going to happen because you've allowed it to happen because you've okayed this language, you okayed this hate, then why or why is no one doing anything beforehand and mm -hmm. and i'm gonna say not just government officials and media but also like the people around you and my like so-called allies where's the it's, sometimes it's a nice little like retweet you know or repost but i don't i don't think they all understand the gravitas like i have to sit down with my husband and really like have this important conversation yeah and it made me realize is if you don't have an asian friend in your circle there's this level of, you know, or they just go on with their lives and hear about another mass shooting and it kind of like, all right, 
cool, move on. How are you supposed to have these conversations? How much are you supposed to care when these things happen? And how many, how much do people outside of being of those who are Asian care? It makes me like worry. I think just all in all, there's just so much like anger and sadness and just exhaustion, you know? Now that's been a week. And now that we're like fully exhausted, our anger is not even like if we had recorded this episode a few days ago, this would be a different podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, But now that the exhaustion and still the hurt and the anger is still still here, what do we do now? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we continue to educate ourselves. Um, We continue to fight this fight. I... You know, like we were talking about earlier, if I were in an incident where, you know, racial slurs are being thrown at me and I am in a violent situation because of my ethnicity or, you know, sexual orientation, I don't know how I would react. Like, I feel like I would just freeze in that moment, especially if it's like happening in German, for example. Mm. I don't know what I would do. So, my wish is that our allies around us, our non-Asian allies, even Asian, you know, Mm -hmm. people too, but that they help us out, that they call it out if Mm -hmm. they see something, you know, see something, say something. And there are really great resources online on how to like de-escalate situations and how you can help, you know, people report hate crimes and things like that. So I would just really wholeheartedly encourage people to go and educate themselves and, and be an ally. I hope people will take that away of like, go educate yourself. Because I'm also very tired of being the Asian representation of here, let me hold your hand and explain. Let me explain yeah. why we're going through this. Let me here's why the facts here are my numbers. Here's what's going on. I don't want to be your clutch to for of ignorance either. It's like, Oh, I didn't know but I have an Asian friend. I'll go to them and ask. Mm-hmm. You know, or like you say something, it's okay. Or I have I have an Asian friend. I don't want to be that person either. And I don't want to be an encyclopedia. Go fucking do your homework. Yeah. To end this episode, um, we would like to read out the names of the victims because it's very important to... I don't know. I don't even have to... I don't want to explain why it's so important to. It's, it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. To recognize these victims. So here are the eight victims from the mass shooting in Atlanta on March 16th, 2021. Xiao Jie Tan. Dao Yo Feng. Delena Ashley Yun Gonzalez. Paul Andre Michelle. Soon Chung Park. Hyun Jung Grant. Sun Cha Kim. Young A Yu. Those are the people who are no longer with us. I hurt for their families. I hurt for what they went through. And and the other part of me is when my my mom immigrated here to Canada. You don't expect things like that to happen to you, you know. And and even if you're a third, fourth generation, or if you're you you come here for school, or you you know like it, you don't come here. To a different country to expect something like this, to be part of a tragedy like this that is so violent, so filled with hate, 
Uh, and and I was talking to Rain about this. These people are going on about da- their their lives, like they were just either working or they were a patron at the store. And I want you, I want everyone to know that these were just these were people had no had just going about their regular daily lives. And you hear this often of people, you know, you go to a movie theater and there's a mass shooting. You go to schools and there's a mass shooting. And you go to, you know, what's the uh, nightclubs and there's night shooting or concerts. And when when does this level of like safety ever whenever when will people feel safe too and and when you're now also asian on top of that do you never feel safe is that the fear now so i I want everyone to at least hear here are the people who are no longer here and i want people to know their names you know i don't want it to be these six asian women victims these are people so yeah i i i i kind of want everyone to walk away not feeling angry at this point now, but uh, I don't even know what I guess educated just like what Raina said. So that's the end to our episode today. Thanks for listening. I'm Kimberly. And I'm Raina. And you've been listening to Obsessive AVG's Aspirations, Boardrooms, and Goals. 